At the age of six, he won his first Pelican shooting competition at summer camp, which led to an early fascination with rifles and since has become a lifelong devotion to excellence in marksmanship. Uh, this man has won numerous competitions throughout the southwestern United States, including a gold medal at the 95 Excellence in Competition match at Nevada State Championship. And uh, he also won a first-place victory at the 1994 Arizona State Championship for the 1,000-yard service rifle match. And currently, this man holds a classification of master in the NRA's high-powered rifle ranking system. Hello, and welcome to the Marshall Public Library's Radio Hour. My name is Greg Grasso. I'm at the studio of KISU 91.1 FM, broadcasting from the campus of Idaho State University. So, who's this guy? No, we're not talking about some black op rogue or some contemporary military hero. We are talking about one of the best thriller, thriller novelists in the country today, Andrew Peterson. Good day, and uh, it's great talking to you, bud. Yeah, hi, Greg. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm very excited about this interview. Um, I'm a vet myself, uh, Vietnam era, and... Uh, I want to start. I want to start off, Andrew. Um, you and uh, four other top-selling novelists just came back from Operation Thriller Two, which is a uh, collective effort uh, to go out and visit the troops and uh, to thank them. You uh, you visited our, our troops in uh, Kyrgyzstan and Afghanistan for about a week, right? We did. It was an absolutely fabulous experience from beginning to end. And first, Greg, let, let me say thank you for your service to America. I mean. Uh, if it weren't for guys like you, we we wouldn't sleep well in our beds at night. So, I, you know, you all of us owe you and everyone else who's ever served a, a warm thank you. I appreciate it, bud. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Well, let's get down. To, let's get down to some nuts and bolts, uh, Andy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what uh, tell our audience about the trip? You know how it came about and and uh, how you kept your head down out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we don't get out into the real danger area except during, you know, when we're going in between where we stayed in Bagram, you know, we take Blackhawk flights out to forward operating bases, and that's that's probably the most dangerous part. But even still, it didn't seem dangerous at the time, I guess because nobody shot at us, but it was it was <laughs> kind of nice. But, but the way that things started is one of our, our ITW authors, international thriller writer authors, Andy Harp, is a former colonel in the Marine Corps. And he approached uh, the folks at the USO thinking, well, you know, gosh, you guys got a lot of Hollywood types and a lot of singers and even cheerleaders go over there. You know, how about a couple thriller authors? You know, a lot of the guys read. And and, and it turned out to be a really good tour. Operation Thriller 1 had uh, Andy Harp and Jim Rollins and Steve Barry, uh, Preston and, and David Morrell, who's, you know, Rambo's father. So he was he was a big hit over there with the troops. and. Because that one went so well, they decided to do it again and, and picked another uh, group of authors, and I was fortunate enough to be uh, in that uh, group. Yeah, wow. So, yeah, it's, it's an amazing experience, honestly, Greg. It was it was really a, a, a lifetime event. I, I can imagine. Um, now, give give our uh, give a sense. Um, was this a, uh, like a stage uh, setup? Um, how did this all come about? Were you in it? Were you in a Quonset hut or something, or where were you? Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of funny. When we got to our quarters, it was it was basically about a, it was a plywood uh, shack, on, you know, about the size of a single car garage. <laughs> And myself and Clive Kessler and Mark Bowden and, and, a, and a Lieutenant Colonel Bajinska was there. And then we had our USO photographer and our USO entertainment tour producer. So there were six 
men, uh, six of us, staying in this uh, plywood shack. You know, it was you know it, they call it the bee hut, I guess. And it's, we, it, we, was, we, it was very, <laughs> it was very interesting because Clyde walks in and he goes, "Oh gosh, can't we can't we stay in the bachelor officers' court?" <laughs> I go, Clyde. I go, Clyde. This is the bachelor officers' court. Yeah. We've got an officer here with us. So. No, <laughs> it was an amazing experience. Um, he was, he was, uh, five was a real trooper. But our typical day started off with, um, we would get up. Usually, wherever we were going to go, we would get up and get onto the helicopter or the transport plane, go out to our, you know, forward operating base, have a command call, meet with the people, you know, in, in charge, right. and then go out and usually have meet and greet sessions at, you know, the DFAC, the dining facilities, various places. Did a lot of handshaking, you know, a lot of talking, a lot of interaction with the troops. And then every night we would come back to the same location and, you know, sit down for, for dinner at the DFAC, meet more troops. And so it, there really weren't too many sit-down formal things where we were at a table with a microphone. I think there were only like one or two of those. So it was very loose and very casual. I think it, I think the troops really appreciated that that, uh, that intimate feel to it rather than having a big formal deal going. Sure, sure. Uh, it just sounds real personal, yeah. It was, yeah, it absolutely was. We we shook a lot of hands, uh, made a lot of you know close eye contact with lots of people, and and it's really interesting, you know, what what we would typically do is you know we walk up, introduce ourselves, and then ask them, you know, what what do you do, uh, you know, Master Sergeant Jones, what do you do for the Air Force, um, and they just love telling us, you know, what they do, and they're so proud of, of what they do over there. So I got a sense that they were very very professional. These troops were top notch, um, very different than the troops maybe. You know, when you were in the service in Vietnam, they, they were they were extremely uh, motivated and very well, uh, I guess, equipped. I would say as well, their equipment is really top notch. Sure, well, a lot more tra- a lot more training has gone into these uh, ground troops um, over the past years. Um, yeah, I think so. yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I these guys, so. these guys are so much better trained now uh, than when I served in the seventies. I mean. Uh, just you know, coming out of the '60s, it was. Well, their, their equipment is, is something right out of Star Wars. We, we I know. Got a, we got a chance to get into an MRAP, which is a I think it's called a mine resistant ambush uh, protected or something. I think mine resistant ambush protected type class of vehicle, and the and the, the equipment in there is just unbelievable. It's infrared. It's it's you know night vision. It's got all these. Yeah. It's just amazing. Uh, these guys are very specialized in what they do. Yeah, they are. Uh, and yeah. and, and, and it, looks like, it looks like a Black Hawk helicopter in there. So far amazing. out. Oh man, I, yeah. I would love that. <laughs> you know, I was yeah. just, I was, I, but, but 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 let me go back a few seconds or minutes. Uh, I, I I flashed in my head. You said the five of you were in. A, we used to call them hooches, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It was a it was a hooch. Exactly. It was a hooch, and yeah. I could I could just see you guys in there, especially with Clive with his cigars. Did he, did he bring cigars? He did. You know, and I and I, and I actually got to I got to smoke a few with him. Now, you know, there were times when we didn't go to dinner. We just stayed behind and we there smoked you go. cigars together. I love it. You know, and Greg, I just don't have the heart. I, I just can't tell Clive. You know, Clive, I'm sorry, but you lost all the arguments. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, we had we had great political discussions. We were on opposite sides on a few things, but we we tended to agree more than not. But uh, well, he has a whole lot more life experience than I do, so I think he kind of yeah. He's know. a he's an old bird. You know, he's he's not a young guy. Oh, well, you know what, Greg? When you get him on the air, um, ask him about his very first sale ever, and it occurred in the Air Force. Sure. And uh, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm writing. I'm writing. 
Really? It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> an hysterical story. It's absolutely hysterical. Oh, love it. Uh, one one loaded question. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, yeah, no, yeah, definitely hit him with the blind side with that one. Yeah. Well, listen, um, uh, I, I suspect you guys gave out books, and, uh, and of course, you are you are so well known. Um, you know, I, I got buddies in Connecticut, on the coast, uh, in the West. Um, uh, I read a lot of thriller-type uh, uh, novelists. Um, your two books, First to Kill and Forced to Kill, are, are, are just freaking insane. Um, well, thank you. So I got to say, I, where the hell did you get that character? How did you create Nathan McBride? Well, it's really interesting. People have often compared you know, Nathan McBride to Jack Reacher, you know, which is Lee Child's sure. very famous character. And I had created uh, Nathan McBride before uh, Lee Child had ever written his first book. I've been working on Nathan for about 18 years. Wow. But I didn't get actually published until about three and a half years ago. So the, the motivation for him, I think, comes from my own background. Is I, I like the military. I think the military folks are, are great models for uh, thriller heroes, mm. male or female. Mm. And I knew about shooting because I was a long-distance rifle shooter. So I thought, well, what can I do? I like the military. I like shooting. And I thought, well, how about a sniper, a former sniper that, you know, went on all these secret missions and did covert stuff for the CIA after he retired. And, and it was it just turned into a – I'm very passionate about that character. I really, really like him. People have called him a tough guy with a heart. You know. Well, he he's a real character. Um, I mean, you can he's a real guy. I mean, there's nothing made up about this guy. I mean, there are guys like he, he out there. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And he makes mistakes. He, you know, he's not superhuman. If you if you right. injure him, he bleeds, and he you know he, he, he you know he's bigger than life. Of course, he has to be, but he's he makes mistakes, and he's very human, and sure. and he's aware of his faults. But he doesn't you know he doesn't drink. He doesn't he just just deals with it. He finds ways to. To deal with his issues, so because on a mission here, uh, what caused his retirement is, is about 13 years uh, prior to the first book. Yeah, uh, yeah. he had been captured down on a mission that went south in Nicaragua, and, and he was held captive for three weeks. And yeah, treated very terribly, so um, that led to his retirement. So he's got some baggage, but uh, he's dealing with it. And one of the things that's good about him is that he's got all this stuff going on, but he, he deals with it. Well, again, when you're when you're uh, very well trained. Um combat soldier, whether you're a sniper, whether you're a corpsman or whatever it is, um, you, you get to rely on those reflexes. I mean, those are, those are reflexes that are built into your genes, you know, after all the training and it becomes part of your, um, it becomes part of your character. So, uh, you did a great, you did a great job. I mean, it's, oh, thank you. yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, thank you. It's, um, we, we, it's just, it's done, it's done really well as an ebook. It's actually, uh, selling actually better as an ebook than it did as the original although it, it did sell pretty good we got into costco and we sold ten thousand copies through costco yeah it was, yeah it felt really good i actually got on my horse and went around and signed books at, at many of the costcos in five states and it was it was a lot of fun wow but i'll tell you if we're you know telling people that you know being an author maybe doesn't even feel like a real job but i'll tell you it is a real job um it's hard work. It's a lot of lonely time, a lot of isolated time. My wife is just a, a trooper. She's you know very patient with me, and um, I think that's what made it so worthwhile. Is is, is I don't doubt much, Craig. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, she, goes, she goes, well, you know, I go, well, we're t- 
talking about whether we're going to go on this tour or not. She goes, Andy, you're going. And I go, yeah, I guess I should go. You, <laughs> you, you remind me so much. Uh, you are so much like Ridley Pearson. I mean, uh, Ridley and you, real guys, um, real life sure. experience. Um, it, it's it's it, it it it's obvious that you that you really love what you're doing and you put a lot of work into it and you know Pearson does the same thing Baldacci does the same thing uh, Barry does the same thing I mean you know all you guys you, all you guys are very bright intelligent uh, uh, guys that uh, you know just just have this amazing ability to to throw this stuff on paper. It's, it just blows well, me away. It's, it's very it's very high praise for you to mention me with those that group of authors. Well, you are. I, I'm I'm being oh, dead serious you. because I've read them and I've read you, and I'm putting you in there, baby. I mean, seriously. Well, thank you, Greg. I appreciate it. Ridley's uh, a good friend. As a matter of fact, Ridley is the one who probably I owe getting published too because I first met him on the Alaskan cruise that the, mm. the, the Maui Writers Group. On and he was my teacher. He was my very first instructor, and and uh, you know it was so funny. We were doing a reading critique in class, and it's you know where you read a section of your you know the teacher reads a section of your material, and then the, the class comments on it. So he's reading my material, and after about a minute, he stops and he says, "Wow, this is the way I write." And I know when to be quiet. You know, Greg, I know when to have to say absolutely nothing. <laughs> and, and so, you know, after class, he pulled me aside. He goes, Andy, I think I think you've got a pretty good voice as a writer, but you're a little rough on the edges. And let me recommend an editor for you. And, and we got I got together with that editor, and and it was just an uphill deal from there. And and it, wow. it uh, up, not uphill, but downhill. It was uh, it was an amazing deal. I really owe my my career to Ridley. He helped me. Hmm. Well, I, I I I tell you what, I had fun with him. He's a, he's a, sounds he just appears. It sounds like a really great guy. Uh, speak. Oh, he, does, he, has, he has an infectious smile. When the man smiles, it you just can't help but smile back. It's just a genuine article, like you said. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, you um, you 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 mentioned your work ethic, uh, and I know you're you're working on a third novel, right? I am. Yeah. It's a, it's a novel um, that I'm kind of doing in a little bit different manner. I'm not doing a real detailed outline on this particular one. I'm just kind of letting it kind of go a little free and seeing where it goes. Uh, generally, I'm a very, very um, you know, organized outline type writer, and I'm, I'm trying a different approach on this one to see where it goes. I have, you know, I know the beginning and the end, but I'm just it's the journey getting to that point that, that's going to be fun to explore. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. Um, something personal. Um, uh, and I don't ask every author this, but when I connect with them, I do. So you are you are married. You have a um, uh, lovely wife, uh, Carla. I do. Um, yeah, she's been married to me for twenty three years. Can you imagine that? So. Yeah, I'm, I'm going. Yeah, well, I'm going on thirty, so I know where you are. And okay, it's, Greg, yeah. it's not it's not all fun and games, is it? <laughs> no, it's 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 the time's work, you know. But right. uh, you know, even when you get on rocky times. Um, you have, to, you have to think to yourself, you know, it took me 23 or 30 years in your case to build this relationship. Right. Let's not destroy it in 24 hours. You know, I, there's right. so many, you know, it, it, te- technically speaking and, you know, philosophically speaking, it's always easier to destroy than to create. Always. Yeah, I I, oh, I, 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 I relate. Um, <laughs> yeah. I relate. It's like Karen... Do you have to throw your your clothes there every day for thirty years? Do you have to do that? And then one day it's like, Greg, shut the hell up and let her do what she's going to do. I mean, I you're not going anywhere. <laughs> let it go. I know. 
Yeah, we were. Yeah, we'd gotten on each other's nerves a couple months ago, and it's like, oh man, it's so, I, I just, I, I just hide. I think it's just the best thing to do. Is go I, find a little place and hide. I have a room. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah see, that's just, <laughs> it's not a man cave. I just have a freaking room. <laughs> yeah, and you know, everybody, male and female alike, is the same way. We, we need, every once in a while, we just have to to, to be uh, be alone and not be bothered by. I, I especially feel. Sorry for uh, not feel sorry, but feel you know compassion for 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 women that have these families. Yeah, yeah. Not only are they all taking care of their own issues, they're taking care of kids' issues as well, which you know makes it even tougher. So. Uh, they're a lot stronger than we are, that's for sure, Andrew. <laughs> I think they have to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, look it. Um, I apologize. We're running out of time, but uh, I I enjoyed the hell out of this, Andy. This is oh. this has been a kick for me. Um, oh, Greg, you're you're a you're a great host. You're very fun to talk with, and, and you make it fun. So, it's, well, I, it's I I uh, I really enjoy this. Um, uh, I wish you all the best, and I really hope I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on my uh, calendar to call you next year to see where okay. you see where you are on the uh, on your third Nathan McBride novel, and. Um, uh, good luck with the uh, with the Kindle sales. Good luck with uh, the book sales throughout the country. I know that you know we can find we can find you anywhere. Uh, we've got uh, see at our library. I think we have three. Yeah, we have got three complete sets um, on you wow. on you and uh, Ridley. Uh, we only have one. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, Andy, I th- uh, he's written a couple more books than you, so I think that's why. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> but I am totally looking forward to uh, reading more from your uh, from your great hand. Um, on that note, I want to uh, give a shout out and thanks to KISU station manager Jerry Miller and staff manager Jamin Anderson. They make this uh, wonderful, uh, uh, well-read program every month for me. Uh, I got to thank NPR again, um, being one of their affiliates. Um, on behalf of the Marshall Public Library, this is Greg Grasso thanking acclaimed author Andrew Peterson for spending time with us today. And uh, again, you can find Andrew's books on uh, Kindle, on the web, and in bookstores throughout the country. Andy, um, my best to you, and uh, Thanks, it's been a kick. Yeah, thank you very much. You're welcome, bud.